When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome along to your Monday night edition of the TII podcast. My name, my name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host this evening as we finally look forward to a football match at Ibrox once again. Um, Rangers taking on Newcastle tomorrow night and that will be the main focus of tonight's podcast. Obviously there's been some news in the past half hour to hour um, around some outgoings. We'll be, we'll be looking back over those. We'll speak a bit about Antonio Cholak. Uh, we will, we'll look at Scott Wright, Glenn Kamara. Some rumours about Borna Barisic as well coming out of um, Nottingham Forest, I believe, which we'll, we'll, we'll touch on. And we'll also take a wee look at, and I'd a bit of a, a dive into James Bisgrove's appointment into the, the SPFL board. It's a bit of a formality given the way that uh, Rangers and Celtic rotate that role, but we'll, we'll start to discuss a wee bit about what uh, James Bisgrove might use to his advantage in that role. Joining me tonight to discuss all of that, we have Jock. First of all, how are we doing, Jock? Not too bad, mate. Glad to be here. Perfect. And fresh from football training, we also have John Walker joining us as well. How are you doing, John? Hectic, busy. Uh, I feel a little stressed. I've got a power cut in the house. I think hotspots fixed it, though. I seem like everyone's working, so we're good. Yeah, you're all good just now, so fingers crossed that that holds up for the next hour or so. Um, Jock, I'll come to you first. Uh, Rangers take on Newcastle United tomorrow night. A sold-out game. Rangers have already put out a statement earlier on today encouraging fans to get there early. Obviously first home game of the season. There always tends to be a few hiccups with people's new season tickets or or their, their smart card doesn't work or um, they, they might even go in their own gate. So I think Rangers are encouraging everyone to go to get to the stadium as early as possible so that they don't miss kickoff and they um, they get they get to see, see the full game. 8,000 Newcastle fans expected at the game tomorrow at Maybe a wee bit different for a friendly at Ibrox, but it, sh- it should be fun. Yeah, I'm look- looking forward to it. Obviously, I'm not going to get to the game, but I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, like you say, they're encouraging fans to get there early. I saw the wee promotional video they were doing, showing folk how to use the scanners, and, and folk turn up the four pieces of paper for the, the QR scanner, so they're getting the point across quite well. Um, 8,000 Newcastle fans, like you say, should be a good atmosphere. I'm hoping it's kind of like the remember the Chelsea game back when Sebo scored. There was a good atmosphere in that. I'm hoping tomorrow's kind of the same, like a good feel good atmosphere in the stadium because it's the first run out for a lot of these players. So it's um, it should be good. Looking forward to it. 
Yeah, John, if I'm honest, I'm just excited about Rangers being back playing football and being able to go to the game again. It feels, in some ways, it feels like a long time since I saw Rangers playing. In other, in other ways, it, it doesn't. How much are you looking forward to just seeing Rangers on the pitch again playing football? Yeah, I think I think we've there's been a lot of excitement. I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think Kieran's already made himself viral um, with the excitement that he's got about certain players. Um, I share Kieran's excitement and seeing people like Cantwell, Raskin, Lawrence in that midfield um, with Dill, um, Lundstrom and that backing them up just to see what the team's actually like. I, I remember that Chelsea friendly. I, I felt the same way. I feel like it's something that we need to get slightly better at. I think they've nailed it with the McGregor testimonial. Um, getting a good atmosphere friendly at home before you go. I've been to God, many that mentioned Gladbach, I think was one of them. It was now now. It was a horrible Saturday afternoon. Um, I think a good atmosphere friendly really is the thing that get you in the mood um, rather than dead rubbers and just waiting for the, the real stuff to start. I think this will be a really good game tomorrow. I think so, yeah. I will always remember um, myself and fellow fellow podcast host Kyle went to, I think it was Rangers versus Bury, and uh, it was about three or four years ago, and Umar Sadiq ran from the halfway line to the penalty box in about three strides, and we thought he was going to be a world beater, and uh, that sadly did not turn out to be the case. Um, but yes, plenty of plenty of excitement ahead of tomorrow, and plenty of new players on show as well, Jock. Um, I'd imagine there's, there'll be... A, a fair amount of rotation um, during the game as well, but it'll be good to see some of the the new signings pull on the the, the blue jersey for the first time. Yeah, they are looking forward to seeing uh, Lammers in particular, uh, and then it's a new looks at our front line as well. Um, so hopefully they get a good. This is what this game's all about: minutes and legs. So hopefully they get a good sort of forty-five, maybe sixty minutes amongst the sort of the new players coming in, and again just to see. Raskin and Campbell strutting about the park as well. So just like you say, it's just good to be back. So, John, that this will be our first glimpse, I guess, at the the um, the new Michael Beal Rangers, um, as I'll call it. What do you think we'll be able to to learn from a game like tomorrow? Will there be anything, or is it just a case of minutes in the legs and 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 taking it from there? I mean, you, you'll see the usual patterns that he's wanting to work on. Um, it's midfield domination. It's his whole. It's his whole ethos is getting five people around the middle of the park, around strikers, getting full-backs high. It'll be very similar to, to previous Gerrard. I think what he's probably done with some of the signings is he's got the plan B back there. The plan B being how do we get goals to set plays continuously and how do we defend set plays better and we'll be fine. But I think you've seen lots of good, tidy, intricate football. Third man runs, one-two, one-touch. Everything really quick. Um, I think that's why Newcastle is such a good test, even though it is pre-season. I think we will see where he thinks he can dominate. The type of player he's bought, I, I I don't want to keep getting on this, but I do feel like players like Raskin and Campbell, if they're fit, we could see we could see some of the best football I think we've ever seen at Ibrooks um, in that midfield area, just by the way the two of them play. I think people are underestimating how, how tidy it, it could be um, if it's right. I think we'll probably actually see something similar to what Celtic kind of mastered probably between January to January um, in the previous seasons. Just the way they keep the ball, I think I think we'll be really, really aggressive and really tidy. And I think you'll see that from the outset tomorrow. I'm just really looking forward to seeing the new signings because as much as you get YouTube clips, I want to see the Rangers jerseys playing football the way that Michael Beale wants them to. And I think somebody's mentioned Bailey Rice. I, ho- I hope we see a couple of glimpses of him even just on the pitch um, to see what that's like because that's another exciting. I keep seeing all the clips for Liverpool's training about Ben Doak and there's a wee bit of, uh, I want to see but little clips of Bailey Rice, see what he's actually made of, see what he's like. 
Yeah, uh, Louise Wise coming into the comments saying Bailey Rice is a is a real talent, um, and I, I think it's fair to say most people agree from what they've seen of him so far. He's sixteen, might or might just have turned seventeen, um, but he's he's still fairly young. So it's good to see him in and around the first team, um, going on that that preseason trip to Germany will have done done him the world of good. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see now. I'd imagine he'll be a mainstay on the bench as we go as we go through this season, and it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he, he manages to get under his belt throughout this season as well. Um, John, we'll stick with you. It is Alan McGregor's testimonial. I keep forgetting it's Alan McGregor's testimonial. Um, he's obviously been around at the club for a long time. Um, he, he started out at, as a teenager. Uh, he, he, he stayed with us for considerable length of time till 2012, decided to go elsewhere and came back. What um, what do you think Alan McGregor's legacy with Rangers is? How, how would you describe it? Alan McGregor's legacy is we never lost a title when he left until he came back. Um, I think that's pretty much the mark. I always remember the the, the, the 4-2 old firm where he let in an absolute clanger um, just before half time at El Kiku. can't remember who the Celtic left back was at the time, but it was an absolute clanger. And I remember every every single player in the, the post-match and, and the papers was saying that they, they all went in the change room and went, McGregor's dug us out a hole multiple times. We need to go out with them and win this game. And I think when you have a team like that, and I think it was the exact same, it felt the exact same during 55 when people spoke about his influence. Um, although there was mistakes appearing, his run in Europe, everyone spoke about Alan McGregor. Both runs in Europe, even going back to 2008. I, I think it is just that. It's We were we were blessed pretty much. I, I didn't think we just had bad goalies, to be honest, um, until Letizia appeared for his short stint. We went, we went kind of seamlessly from Gorham to Kloss to McGregor. It felt like there was no gap. And I think that's where you've seen last year when it was probably a year too long for McGregor to be staying, that how damaging not having a, an Alan McGregor-like goalkeeper, even though Alan McGregor was in, can beat the team. You don't win a title if you don't get the best goalie in the league. That's, that seems to be what the, what the pattern's been continually. And I think that's... That's going to be a big gap to fill. If we'd nailed it with Jack Butland, that would be amazing. But people at Alan McGregor don't actually come around too often. I think we've just been really lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Paul McGarrigal's in the comments saying McGregor's legacy is one word, legend. And then the trying Scotsman comes in with the word longevity. Not world class, still a legend. I think um, it's interesting how people balance out world class or or reaching the top level that Rangers need or could expect to to garner, I guess, in terms of player. I think it's really it's really interesting um that, that discussion. But Jock John mentioned maybe he stayed a year too long. I assume you believe it's the, the right time for, for him to retire and, and how do you assess Alan McGregor's career at Rangers obviously in, in two separate parts? Yeah, I said I think it's a year too Year too late, I think he. I think he stayed on that extra year. I don't. I don't think it's done too much damage, but I think, like John says, you could see it. You could see it. The the, the errors starting to creep in. He just wasn't the keeper he was. Um, going to John's point about the four two game, I remember that. It was goals just before half time. I remember the whole stand, the whole stadium started saying his name as he walked down the down the tunnel, and that for me just summed him up. You know what I mean? He he cost us. Or he saved us, sorry, so many points. I remember the the three tiles we won in a row. See, that penalty saves he made, especially away from home, 
teams like Motherwell, Aberdeen, Celtic, I mean, the Samras, you will forever remember that penalty save against Samras. Um, integral part of winning the, you know, those trophies in 55 uh, and the European run, some of the saves they made was just ridiculous. Um, world class, I think, like you say, world class is as a term, it's hard to, it's hard to start fine lines between world class like you say it's what we have um if he'd been better with distribution with his feet i would say he'd be world class but his reactions and his, his command in the area when he was a wee bit younger was tremendous and and so he went he did go about it's a shame that he, he maybe didn't stay longer but obviously for obvious reasons he went down the path he went but uh, i would say legend I, in my eyes he's a, he's a rangers legend definitely in between the sticks i yeah, I remember um, I watched the video a couple of days ago of, of Vladimir Weiss replicating that Samaras penalty in one of the title celebrations as well. Um, so yeah, and I'm, that that it's not a, it's not starting a rumor that Vladimir Weiss should return to Rangers. So don't worry about that, that one, <laughs> John. Um, he's obviously. I think he, today was the first day he was training uh, this preseason as he was uh, back with the team ahead of tomorrow night's game. Generally, with testimonials, if the players aren't playing any longer or they've come to the end of their time, they tend to play sort of five or ten minutes of the game. Is that is that what you'd expect for, for Al McGregor tomorrow night? Yeah, I think a, a sub-appearance near the end is, is what you're going to get from Al McGregor. Um, I think just... <laughs> Just, just to say goodbye again properly. Um, he's been there for so long. I was actually forgetting that he was fully there for ten years prior to leaving. Like I was kind of, I was one of those ones. It took a wee while for me to go. Why, why is he getting a testimonial between the gap? And I was like, well, he, was, he was here for eleven before he left. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's that is a, that is like a well fitting. Um, it's just one of these ones as well where it's it's rare. This has become something during nine in a row where it was quite consistent. Uh, that era in the nineties, I know because footballers got the payday at the end of that when they weren't exactly the pay- way paid the way they are now. But it is, it is that you don't you don't tend to see it as often. We, we're probably going to see it again in a few years with, with Tavernier, I'd imagine. But it is nice to to actually get to that point because I think it's something we're going to see even rarer as we go on because we kind of self admit we're going to become a feeder club, unfortunately, to the Premier League if we do our recruitment correctly. So this could be. <laughs> one of the last testimonies we ever see for someone, and I think it's probably fitting again that it is him because I, I do I do think he is world class. I, I, the distribution I understand, but there's been loads of goalkeepers that have got terrible distribution that are considered the best. Um, so I, I think he is. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers. I'm surprised he didn't get when when I look at. I, I also quite fond of Arsenal. When I look at some of the howling goalkeepers they had around that time of Alan McGregor being Rangers number one and going to Hull. And Alan McGregor was better than every other keeper that Arsenal had in that spell until they got Peter Cech in. So I think he's well within that bracket. Yeah, I think James Tavernier might have something to say about it being one of the last testimonials that we see at Rangers. But um, I'd imagine there's another one coming down in a couple of years' time. But I think, like you say, testimonials are, are few and far between these days. And it's uh, it's very fitting, I guess, that it's sold out. I know there were some um, sort of single-seat tickets that were released earlier on this evening so if you if you want to go tomorrow night and you and you've and you haven't got your ticket yet jump onto the rangers website and see if there's still a few of those left jock just before we close off on the the al mcgregor testimonial we know that rangers fans like to react quickly to things pre-season friendlies are synonymous with that are you 
are you expecting a bit of patience tomorrow night from Rangers fans if we don't start off with a 4-0 win or are you are you expecting the, the knives to be out? No, I think I think I think tomorrow will be a bit of patience and a, a bit like we probably have a party atmosphere just for for McGregor. I think that I think the fans will it's a testimonial. It's the first full ninety minute preseason game that's going to be in front of the fans. So they need to understand the you know, the players have only had the training camp and then that, that wee bounce game they've had. So I think I think we will be patient. Maybe come the fourth game in the preseason and if things aren't going right, then the nice might be right. But um I don't imagine we'll get to that. Yeah, hopefully it's uh hopefully it's a, a good night under the um the, this the setting summer sun, shall we say, um at Ibrooks tomorrow night and it'll be a, a fun night for everyone and we're delighted to be back at Ibrooks and we look ahead. We're only two and a half weeks or just just under three weeks, sorry, away from the start of the new season and then it'll be it'll be full pelt straight to straight to Christmas from there on in, pretty much two games a week most most weeks I think, assuming all goes well um in the European qualifiers, it'll be Champions League football and even if it doesn't, Europa League group stage football will still be there. So it will be it will be a busy time, but I'm very much looking forward to, to Rangers being back and it'll it'll give us plenty to talk about on the podcast going forward as well. John, we've had seven incomings so far um, to Rangers, and we've spoken a lot about about those guys. There's some that are are still potentially coming in, or hopefully coming in. Sifuentes is one, for example. Uh, Panzo is another, um, and then the striker from Feyenoord. Um, incomings, I don't think, has been a problem. One of the one of the issues we face so far is trying to get people out the door. We saw the first of those uh, at the end of last week, Antonio Cholak uh, saying his goodbyes to Rangers, two and a half million pounds to um, to Parma in Italy. We've seen a few more rumours come and go, but um, just before we, we sort of move on to some of them and some of the news that's come out tonight, just get your thoughts on Antonio Cholak's season at Rangers and, and the fact that he's left and, and moved to Italy. I think Cholak was brilliant. I, I I kept hearing all these myths about um, no suiting the system and maybe not being... People just... I think I've said that a couple of times now. People just get so used to seeing Morelos being centre-forward that they become accustomed to somebody that was going to bully. I felt Cholak... I honestly was quite excited. That was before Dessers and Danilo got linked. I was very excited to think of Cholak with those type of midfielders around him and being the kind of wall player that... It's maybe not as flashy as other strikers, the kind of Giro France at the World Cup is. He's not going to be there and maybe not get you all the goals, but his link-up plays better than the strikers we had there. Um, he's probably thinking Roof can fill that void. But I mean, if you look at the goals he was getting and the conversion rate that he was delivering, if you'd put him in what I would consider a good Rangers team, because I don't think the Rangers side he played in was the best at the time he was even banging in the goals, I, I thought he would have... I thought a fit Cholak uh, playing the full season in that style would have got... 25-30 goals for us this year, but he's obviously surplus to requirements, and they're hoping that Roof will bring in that link-up play if we need him, and the strikers were bringing in a, I'm guessing what Bill considers even higher quality than what we had before. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Before I give my views on Antonio Cholak, I'm going to pull up this comment here. It says, uh, pickled onion in a bottle of old school iron brew. Um, just uh, that is an elite snack um, for anyone who wants um, to get one. So uh, there's plenty of plenty of comments going in there, but I just wanted to bring that one up because it caught my attention. And Rob Hamilton, I completely agree that that is an elite snack. And there, I've no idea what's going on in the comments, 
Um, but yeah, fire, fire in your preferences in there, and we'll continue talking about Antonio Cholak. Um, and I thought I'm, I'm, in, I'm probably, probably pretty much the same boat as you, John, in terms of that. I was a big Antonio Cholak fan. I don't think he quite got the run of games that he needed after his injury to to kind of get back up to to fitness. I, I I do partially agree. I think with some of the um, some of the questions around can he does he fit our style in all the games that we play? I'm not quite sure that that was the case, and I I, I felt he would struggle to be our, our first choice striker given that that given given that he didn't quite suit our play in in some games. But all he needed was one side to go, and the ball was in the bottom corner. So that was that was always the benefit um, that we saw. I was quite I was quite sad to to see. Him being one of the first to leave, he was he was far down the list in terms of players that I would th- I thought would leave Ibrox this summer. But I think it's understandable if I know Michael Beale said in his his video f- um, after the preseason friendly in Germany that him and Cholak had sat down at the the end of last season and Cholak had spoken about getting game time and how his family were settling in Scotland and and all of that sort of stuff. And the the decision was made that they would that he would him and his agent would start to look elsewhere for another another challenge I think it's a bit of a shame but also on the flip side I think the fact that it makes way for potentially one of our most exciting signings in a number a number of years if we're able to get the the finer striker over the line I think it'll be um I think it'll be really interesting to see to see how that goes and obviously the, the fee as well comes into that and how that can help us help us boost the, the transfer bid as well um so be really interesting on that front Jock, two and a half million pounds. We paid 1.8 million, I think, if I remember correctly, 12 months ago for him. A little bit of profit in there. To me, it still seems undervalued for, for what Cholak brought to the team. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, it probably is, but I think it looks to be it's just, it's, is there any other add ons announced, or is it just a flat fee? I think it's just a flat fee. Wasn't I, didn't, it? I didn't see anything about add ons, but there, there might well be. Yeah, I'd say we're probably just it's maybe the best option that suits him, so we've took the money. Um, that's him, like yourselves, I'm, I'm disappointed. He nearly came in and he was scoring, he was scoring goals, and he went on quite a good scoring run at the start of the season until he got the injury. Come back from injury, couldn't really shift Morelos out the team. Um, and then he's had the discussion with Beal, um, and it's, his future lies elsewhere, so you wish him all the best. I, I'm disappointed. I, I thought I thought he would have, he would have, he would have. You know, score goals on this new team that's coming a bit better service in the midfield. Um, because he scored a lot of variety of goals. It wasn't sort of one trick pony, you know, he was he kinda of made me yell a bit to me, but it's very sort of technical with where his finishes he could, you know, find cute finishes from inside outside the box, inside the box, outside the foot, inside the foot. Um so I think it's an option I hope we don't regret, but we've got you know, the money's coming in, hopefully that'll get Danilo in. Um, and then, as far as Beal must be concerned, Dessers is the upgrade because he's the one he's got first. He's the one he went after first. So, um, yeah, let's say wish him all the best. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to watch as well as these preseason friendlies go ahead. Go ahead, obviously Newcastle tomorrow night, then Hamburg at the weekend, followed by Olympiacos the following week. I think it'll be really interesting to see how the likes of of Dessers sets up and where the where they where they play. Um, obviously, Sima as well, uh, Lammers, all these guys. We've 
we've heard about the various different ways they can play. We've heard about the styles of play. John mentioned earlier on about you've watched all these YouTube videos and now you just want to see them in a Rangers jersey. It'll be really interesting to see how how these guys set up. But it's, um, it's what makes pre-season friendly exciting, I guess, as well. Moving on to some of the news today, shortly before we came on air, um, at official T4O tweeted that uh, Glenn Kamara was very close to leaving Rangers, um, heading to, to Leeds United, um, relegated to the Championship at the end of last season from the English Premier League. The fees looking like £4 million plus add-ons plus a 10% sell-on fee. John, coming to you, first of all, with that one and purely a reaction to the fee and the the, the club that, um, that Glenn Kamara is going to, what do you, what do you make of that deal? I think it'll be a good fit for him. Um, I think the way the championship in England's changed, it is more of a technical league. I think Burnley, the company, kind of showed that last year is that teams are more willing to play football now rather than it being a 46-game slog. It will be technical. He'll really suit that level. I think he'll thrive in that environment. I think Leeds are a similar type of club to Rangers where there'll be a lot of expectation on him. He won't get a moment's rest, so he'll be, he'll be ready set for doing that. I think Leeds are aiming to get straight back up. Um, the fee, brilliant. I, I like. I mean, not brilliant. I guess is probably the point. If you'd asked me eighteen months ago, I'd have been saying somebody's bending us over a barrel. But we talked a couple of weeks ago and said two and a half million. You'd get it and take him and get him out the door. And I do think that ten percent. If he is a good season in the championship and a decent season, I mean, this is all ifs, right? But if they got promoted and he gets purchased, anyone that plays well in the championship and gets purchased by a Premiership team, you're talking another maybe one point five two million going to us. So if you're telling me it's getting closer to 6.57 million, I'm maybe a wee bit happier with the, the overall fee. I think it just Glenn Kamara needs a change. I think everything kind of went belly up for him at Rangers. And and it's actually quite nice. I've seen somebody say in the comments about Cholak, it's actually quite nice to be in a position where people are leaving Rangers, like Bassey did, and you're actually kind of in a reboot and you're going to look out for them to make sure they do well. Whereas it felt like it was five years of you just wanted people out of your club and you never wanted to hear the names again because it would give you PTSD. So it is nice to start seeing players leave that you're kind of fond of and going, I hope they go and do well. It's, it's, it's a club. I'm, I'll now look out to see how often he's playing, how he's doing. Um, so it's actually quite nice to just be at that point now again where you are kind of happy to see people move on to pastures and hopefully do well. Are you surprised, John, that he's going to the championship? He was obviously rumoured uh, for a few, a few of the top five leagues. Obviously, Nice last season was the, was the, was the big rumour. There's been a few, a few, a few others that that have been sniffing around. Glenn Kamara, he's not he's not been playing much for Rangers at all the past season or season and a half, but he's still been put, putting in performances for Finland, um, even on the highest stage as well. What 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 do you make of him going to the championship? I mean, it's one of these ones where I think Leeds is a great, a brilliant club to go to. I think that's, that's a great move for him, but I don't know the ins and outs of Kamara's family, friends, uh, people that he knows at Leeds United. There might be more to it than, because we, we all we all speculated that he looked like someone that lost his two best pals at Rangers. There might be an element of being closer to people down in England. They might have family around that area. I don't know, but I don't know if that would be it. He's already, Glasgow's maybe felt lonely for him in, in that personal aspect. I don't think going abroad or going to Turkey would have been the answer to, to solving that problem. I think going to England and it's, pro it's probably the right idea for him. Maybe not feeling as unsettled and he can maybe focus on football. Yeah, I think that I think that's interesting uh, to think about because he, he does seem like a guy who 
when his friends and Calvin Bassey and Joe Rebo left Rangers, he, he just lost interest completely, or he, he might have felt being lonely. You, you do forget about these off the field kind of things sometimes as a football fan. So, Glenn Kamara goes with my best wishes. That second goal against Leipzig will always um, will always be in my mind um, whenever Glenn Kamara is mentioned, and I will continue to watch that video in ten minutes of. Um, incredible scenes afterwards um, probably about twice a week for the rest of my life um, Jock, a few uh, comments coming in around uh, the Glenn Kamara move, John said that the sort of £4 million pounds for, for him is, is brilliant Scott of 5 completely disagrees um, and says 4 to £5 million, not great, uh, the trying Scotsman says Leeds are nothing like Rangers, they are losers, seems a bit harsh but they did get relegated last season and then Paul McGarrigal, just talking about the fee, says, guys, forget the name Kamara. Look at a full international player with two years left in his contract. is worth eight to $10 million minimum. What, where, where do you stand on Glenn Kamara's move? And do you think we've been able to maximise the value for him from, from the position he's currently, he's currently in in our squad? I think so. I think maximising his current situation, I think the £4 million plus yeah. 10%, I think that's decent, considering he hasn't. You know, he's barely kicked the ball for us in the last 18 months. Um, and when he has come in, it's been bit part. It just looks a shadow of himself, like you say. But what's the reasons why? I'm not too sure. Um, so, like you say, he's an international player. He's an international player that doesn't play at club level. You know, Finnish players are probably, I'm sure, slim pickings for somebody of his quality. Even though he's not playing at club level, you can still throw him in. So if he's if he's playing good for Rangers and he's international level, yes, he's worth that. But he's not been played and he's not been playing a long time. So I think what we've got, I think, is fair. I think, like John says, if he goes down to championships, has a good season, we could see two point five million or more um, come in the door. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm just glad that it's that he, he's going and he's like he's going. He, it's something that should have happened maybe six months 12 months maybe 18 months ago you know it's 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 ran on and, and we probably have lost that value but we're still maintaining maintaining quite a significant considering we signed them for 50k absolutely and people will forget people sometimes forget there's yeah. obviously a song that reminds everyone most weeks that we got them for 50k but it, it was such a such a great value signing that we got uh from dundee Dundee must must have felt they've been robbed blind for that one, even to get him six months early for that fee. So, um, incredible, incredible value. He's given um, some of the most memorable moments in in recent times. He definitely goes with my best wishes. Um, it's a bit of a shame how his his career at Rangers kind of petered out, but um, I'm looking forward to hopefully watching him in the Championship next season and and, and seeing him prosper and move into move into the Premier League. Jock, going to stick with you. The other rumor that came through today, um, it was a bit earlier today and this afternoon, was that Rangers had accepted a £500,000 bid, according to the Scottish Sun, from, I'm going to call them Pendixpor, uh, that might be wrong, um, in the, the, Tur- the Turkish Super League, um, for Scott Wright, um, a player who has who is much maligned by a lot of Rangers fans. Some Rangers fans absolutely think he's got something to offer. We'll come back to the fee in a second because that does seem a little bit low for, for any of our players. But in terms of the move itself, in terms of Scott Wright being another of the players that, that leaves, I think it makes sense, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's another, you know, he's, he's this project that's 
with the word project that's been thrown around with his name since he came in the door since Jared brought him in, he's a project and you kept hearing always oh, a project a year ago, later on, I oh, still a project and then another year, he's still a project so, well, the project's not playing day in, day out, the project's coming on off the sub bench has an impact here or there but if I, I talked on Twitter about it this afternoon and it broke and I said I could count in my hand the many times he's made an impact I only need one hand so to me that sums it up um yeah again another one that goes our best he's i just it's just he's just never really cement a place in that team and hold it down long enough yeah i think i think we're wearing out the phrase he goes with our best wishes um at this moment in time um but john scott Wright. when people watch clips of him they always see how direct he is and how how when he picks up the ball around the halfway line he will just run at the opposition defense and he will he will, he will just um, take on players and drive at them. I think it was more his inconsistency and end product that kind of meant he found himself out of the team. Would, would you agree? Yeah, it, it was infuriating because I was one of the ones that felt like I always had something. Um, I, remember, I remember the game, I think the game that pretty much nailed on us signing him was when he came on against Celtic off the bench um, for Aberdeen up at Petaudry. And we signed him four weeks later in the January window when he was going out of contract. And I hadn't seen much of Scott Wright, and he came on. And I was like, "Happy guys absolutely bullied them, like tortured them, and got them back, to, got Aberdeen to free two up." And we signed him, and it, in glimpses, I seen that same thing. That, that the goal against Hearts was exactly what I thought he was good at. He would be quick on the break. He was able to finish, but then you'd see him run the ball at the park. You'd see him not be able to be a first man way across. He wouldn't be able to pick up the simple pass because he was so good at being direct. But that isn't that isn't really what we do. That's not our style of play, especially not under Beal. Um, if Van Bronckhurst had stayed longer, he'd have probably got more game time under Van Bronckhurst. But he's just not a Michael Beal player. He's not got, he's not got the technical ability, as as far as I'm concerned. I, I think he's a player that he'd do good at a club, but he's going to play every week and he will hit form if he stays fit. But Rangers under that club, Rangers Rangers can only really afford to project one player, and it needs to be a player that's 17, 18. That's came through our academy and understands exactly what they're doing from the word go, you can't, you're not going to get a Calvin Bassey too many times where you can indoctrinate somebody within 12 months and get them to fit into the mould of what you're doing. Um, I just don't think, I, I do think 500 grand is way too little. I think someone that's got years on their contract, has got age on their side and has been part of a title winning side, has scored in a Scottish Cup final that won as the trophy, was in the other end of that Glenn Kamara, a 2-0 goal, he's be back here assist. There are things that he's playing the European final. Like we, yeah. we shouldn't be letting people go for half a million, but maybe there is the weighing up of going what's what's he on? Maybe seven to ten grand? What's he on a week? Is that half a million? Is that a million pound freed up now? Yeah. To go and give somebody else a better deal or somebody a wage that we've not offered a contract to yet? I don't know. Yeah, Paul McGarrigo in the comments uh, highlights that as well, about the fact he, he made an impact when he was here. He set up that Glenn Camara goal and he also scored in the cup final last season. Scott 05 says, right lacks in product. It's good when direct running, which is what we touched on um, earlier on. And Jim Gibson is definitely not a fan. Right as crap. Glad to see him go. Um, so uh, Jim is not sending his best wishes to Scott Wright. For that one, John, are you surprised Turkey's the destination? I know he was room, he was speaking to Preston at the um, at the start of the summer, and I thought actually mid-table championship does seem the right landing spot for Scott Wright. I'm, I'm a, I am a wee bit surprised by by Turkey, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I I don't know how many horror stories I need to hear about 
players going over to Turkey and not getting paid. Um, I spoke to Stephen Mallon about it um, when he went over to Turkey, just not getting his wages on time consistently, not getting his wages on time. You're constantly hearing about top professionals going to even Fenerbahce and Galatasaray and Besiktas and not getting paid on time. So I don't know why anyone at that level would be like, yeah, I'm going to move my, me and my partner abroad. I don't know if I've got a kid. I know he's got a fiancé. Uh, we're going to move to Turkey and see what happens, especially when it's not even... I, I mean, I know that's disrespectful because I'm sure there's Turkish people that don't know who insert Scottish club into that, that bit there. But I've never heard of this club in my life and I like to think I at least know football enough to be like, that's the Turkish side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I name most. Never heard of this club. Maybe they've got a bit of money behind them and maybe they've been coming through the leagues. Maybe that's what it is, but I wouldn't... Um, it wouldn't be my destination. I would have taken English Championship or League One over that all day long. Yeah, and to be fair, um, some of the comments I've said talking about Chris Boyd and Kenny Miller, I completely forgot that they went to to Bursa Spar for a for a very short period of time. Um, all I really know about Bursa Spar now is they're in the third division, but still have an Alligator Stadium. That's really my level of knowledge about Bursa Spar these days. But um, that was the, the back in the days of the Champions League group stage. Um, but yes, Chris Boyd and Kenny Miller did. Did go there. Some other rumours that aren't, don't seem as far along, although the fashion Sakala to Saudi Arabia one doesn't seem to be going away. Um, still rumoured fee of around £4 million, which I think we, if that's the case, we need to bite the hand off for that one. Um, although, I, Jock, I don't know where you stand on this, but fashion Sakala, as frustrating as he can be as a football player, he, does, he did provide a lot of numbers for us in terms of goals and assists that I'm not necessarily convinced a four million pound fee can can replace for us. Where do you where do you stand on that? I think I agree. I think four million pound probably won't in our league anyway. But another thing we're gonna miss is his pace. His pace is frightening, and it's, and I don't see Dessers and Danilo being pacey like that. So unless Bill's got another idea, or maybe Bill's got something else lined up that. They can use this money for, um, by all means. But I do think we might struggle to replace his contributions, as frustrating as he can be, as the enigma that he is. Um, but yeah, I don't think four million pound would do it. But maybe four million pound could get us somebody else, maybe within the league that could contribute like that. Because traditionally, Rangers have poached somebody from within the league that's sort of been a good squad player. So I don't see why not. Why we can't use the money to. You know, usefully. John, do you think these moves are a clear sign that our width is once again going to come from the fullbacks rather than the players out wide of the front three? Do you think that's that's the, the clear that seems to be the clear signal I'm getting from these moves anyway? Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people wondering why Hadji's playing if Hadji stays in wide areas because it will be these inverted tens. Um, it'll just be flood flood that midfield area and the number ten areas. And get Tavernier. If you've got Tavernier's delivery, I don't think you need particularly a great wide man um, to be there. You need somebody that's going to attract the full back in and let Tavernier go. Um, and the same, if we keep Barisic or Yilmaz, I'm quite confident with either one of those can deliver the same way. Although Yilmaz is a wee bit different. I feel Yilmaz is more of a get to the byline and drill it across, and Tavernier's get you a bit of composure. But that could be nice because that could allow you to play kind of a Cantwell on an advanced left area as well and not lose anything out on him. I think that's it. I just think these players are, are surplus to Michael Beale. I think it's Roof will be somebody that plays off a wide area. Um, I mean, what, what's happening with Matondo? Is he is he going to be the one? Is he going to be the one that survives and we go with put outlay on him? 
mm. he's maybe got the age on his side but there's maybe something there that we're not seeing that I've not yeah. yet seen that he's yeah. decided he's the one that he's holding on to and the rest can go I think Sakala's numbers will be hard to match but I do think we've seen Campbell's goal threat, uh, goal threat at the end of the season and you've added people who there might not be anyone that's going to bang you 30 goals but there might be five six players that get eight nine to get you that yeah. get you over that line i think it'll be that kind of season for us the way we play i think that's definitely something we've needed anyway we've been too reliant on two or three players to deliver every every goal and assist that we need in a season and we we do need to spread that around and i guess that going by the recruitment that we have going by the fact that the likes of tom lawrence coming back into the fold i am more hopeful than i guess i have been in quite a long time that goals will come from all around the team rather than just um a few players in james tavernier um so i think it'll be really be really interesting to watch that as we as we start to move through this season also interesting john that you picked our two fullbacks and picked yilmaz as the left back um because that brings us on to our final rumor uh jock borna barisic to nottingham forest i don't i've not seen a fee mentioned at all i feel like that would be a good move for borna barisic if i'm honest then it'll be um definitely a good move Ross Wilson potentially doing us a favour there as well with that one. Would you be happy to see Borna Barisic go? I've seen some at the start of the summer, I felt like a lot of people were on the, yeah, we can let Borna go if the right money comes in. I've seen few, a few more people start to flip-flop on that one. Where do you stand on on Borna Barisic going if, if there's some interest? Yeah, I'm happy either way, to be honest. Um, if he stays, you know, you know what you're going to get. Um, last year he probably was one of our more consistent players. Um, you know, he's got that delivery, he's got that free kick, you know, he does pop up the good set of pieces. Um, has a delivery, we say talking about Yilmaz, he will be I'm assuming Yilmaz will be the, the number one left back. We have uh, Sterling who can play that position as well. So we have cover if he does go. Um and you you uh, Divine in there as well can play on the left side. So there's plenty of options. So maybe as a case, maybe the club are thinking we do have cover there. Maybe we can cash in um, in the last year's contract, get some money for him and put it towards the squad. So, um, yeah, a big good move for him. Premiership, be a, be a good test for him. Yeah, John, we've spoken about five players there, looking at fees of £2.5 million for Cholak, rumoured £4 million for Sakala, 500 k for Scott Wright, Four million plus add-ons for Glenn Kamara, Borna Barisic. You'd imagine a couple of million at least, if not a little bit more than that. While these aren't standout fees, um, we we saw across the city they got one massive fee for for a single player. Whilst these aren't standout fees for these players, that the the totals definitely add up, and you can see how that would help to to fund this this big rebuild that we've been going under uh this summer and it's uh it can certainly make a difference for these especially these players who aren't necessarily making a huge impact on the first team anyway yeah and the wages i, I think but baris is just probably a, a fairly middle to top earner within that club and um, being the position that he held down for us so i, I think that does really really help and um, i'm assuming it's not Houses at Rangers own will try to kick people out of to get people into. Um, but I think it's definitely clearing up the wages for, for other people to come in or people we've potentially already gambled on because it is actually unusual for us to, to move so quickly without the Champions League money guaranteed. So I do think there may be as an element of we're back deal. So now we have to start forcing the people out the door that we 
didn't know where they were coming from. I think yeah. Forrest, I, I would be I would be trying to pull out them to get to four four million for Barisic just because of the money that they've spent to stay in the Premier League and got to stay in the Premier League. Like they spent a lot of money on Gibbs White, who I think is a tremendous footballer, but you're paying forty million for him. You're getting ten percent of that for our, our I still think Barisic although Yilmaz is a good end of the season, I still think Barisic is a stronger left back, but I think Yilmaz has got potential to be even better than him. So I would be trying to rinse every bit of cash out of them for him because I do think he's a full international. One titles for us, played in the Champions League, and they don't have, they currently don't have, I think Rennie Lodi's was only on loan last season, so they yeah. do have that position open for them. I think he'd be great for them. And he, yeah, again, I hate to be this way, but he's another one that you'd be quite happy to see go on and look out for. Yeah, there's plenty of comments coming in about Borna Barisic and most people seem to be on the on the same wavelength. Stephen Fay says, sell Borna Barisic, Scott 05, I think I agree with, born on old firms, I hide behind the couch, which is a, which is a real shame, but sadly it is the truth. Uh, Scott Stephen 19 says, Borna's another one, if we get a million for him, he's got to go, I'm not sure I agree with that, that's far too that's far too low. I was kind of in the two to three million mark, but John's just convinced me we should be going four million or, or above for him. Um Scott Stephen continues absolutely sick watching him. So being able to cut out crosses and shitting the bed every time we, we go to the I'll, I'll leave that word uh alone for this moment in time to avoid joining Kieran on the the, the clickbait side of things. Uh Ridvan all the way. Um and Isla Sky Bakes said uh, Borner's too inconsistent only assists can't remember his last goal I think his last goal was that belter I finished at St Johnston wasn't it into the top corner um, but I think I, I get the point he hadn't scored for about a year and a half two years um, to that point as well so be really interesting to see over the next couple of weeks the outgoings more than the incomings I tend to agree with you John in terms of I think Michael Beale probably was told you can get or you can spend X amount, and he reached that reached X amount by signing Dessers, and then it's been right. You have to fund everything else by other players going out, and other, and then you can buy new players after that. I think I get the feeling that's that's where we are. I think the the three players that we mentioned earlier in the podcast this will be the result of this churn that we're seeing in the squad. But we were also talking um, amongst the TII contributors. The squad's up at 36, 37, 38 players around around that mark and that's far too high one to be able to keep everyone happy but also from a wages perspective as well so it will be really interesting to see what number we live out at I'd, I'd be surprised if it's anything above 27 or 28 players max uh, for the first team squad and even that seems a little bit high jock one of the players i feel like i've been mentioning his name for months and he's still not a rangers player jose Cifuentes. Um, continues to play for LAFC or did continue to play to LAF, for LAFC right up until the weekend there where they um, they played their final match before a sort of mid-season break they have in the MLS. He was pictured today on a plane um, which he posted on Instagram. Everyone obviously jumped on that and said oh, he must be on his way to Scotland. There's no way that anyone would know if he is or isn't but would you expect that one to be, to be done in the coming weeks given that LAFC are now on a they want a bit of a break and and the season's fast approaching. Yeah, I think that 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 was basically it. I think it was just the Rangers must have said, "Look, we'll agree to you know wait, wait until their their break comes in because he's played a lot of games." But and that's good for us because it means he's going to come in in a good shape. It's just now integrating them into the the squad, meeting everybody, and uh, 
and uh, getting the getting the camaraderie and stuff going with the rest of the players. So I I I seen people arguing over it. Oh, that's it. It's not coming. Or I saw it must be off. Or an our field medical palaver. But I just kept saying. I said he's still playing because they're still playing. So it makes sense for them to hold on to him and try and get as much out of him as he can because he scored as well. I think during the week last week. So you know he's contributing to them. He's done his bit. He was a couple of times we've seen he was saying goodbyes, but I don't know if that was maybe the last home game he, he was saying goodbye. So if he's on the plane, I'd say he's, it's done and he's on his way. It's just a matter of getting the, the scarf above his head and the picture taken. I poor poor Sifuentes just on his way to Barbados for a weekend holiday, and he's got all these Scottish people shouting at him that he's <laughs> uh, he's coming to Glasgow. John, obviously uh, the MLS season runs differently to ours started in March, if I'm correct, maybe in April. Um, so he's been playing since then and has continued to play through the summer when normally our break would be. We spoke earlier on the podcast about we have a very intense period of games, definitely up till Christmas, um, and if not beyond, if we if we make it um, into Europe beyond that stage. Is that a positive that he's still playing just now or really do, do we need him to have that bit of a break before the season? The World Cup kind of messed everything up for everyone, so I, I don't know if somebody being in there kind of routine is better anyway, because he was kind of unadjusted um, by the World Cup, because their season was finished, and he was then on break for three months until it started again, so I, I don't know, I think he could be someone that's, that's coming straight in, this is a guy who's going to have been used to travelling six hours, seven hours for an away game, um, that might be another thing for things like recovery, he might be able to focus on that well there are players that can just play through like there, there are i know sports scientists will push everything for everyone to have the right recovery have the right amount of minutes not be in the red zone but there are anomalies and this guy is pretty much consistently playing for lafc despite whether whether they're traveling whether they're not and has played through that and he played at the world cup as well i think i think he'll be somebody that can just come in and just keep moving and you might you might start easing him off a bit over the winter period um and then get him going again um, in January. I, I think he's going to have to come in and be ready to hit the ground running, and he will be. He'll be the one that'll be flying. Um, I, I'm I'm just excited to see what he's to see what he's going to be like. Um, just seems to have a, a little bit of everything that I think yeah. we're maybe just light on because as much as I'm, although Dell and Lund- 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 my physical players, for as much as I love the the Raskin Campbell Hadji possibilities. I do want somebody to get in and mix it up. And I he's it. <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's one that's definitely impressed in clips and I've um from people that I've I've spoken to that have watched the LAFC games since we've been linked to them. Um I think he's he's definitely impressed them as well. Um Kendall Matthews coming in to ruin the fun here, saying Sefuentes posted from Hawaii earlier on, so he was in fact on his way to holidays and who would choose Hawaii over Glasgow. Um, I have no idea whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, so plenty of outgoings uh, been spoken about, plenty of incomings, hopefully in the next weeks as well. We've got, we've got Rangers playing at Ibrooks. We've got plenty on the go as it, as it comes um, on the pitch and off the pitch. One more thing that happened off the pitch today was that uh, James Bisgrove was nominated to the SPFL board. It's part of a regular rotation jock with with Celtic. It's every second year, I think. It changes if I'm if I'm correct on that one. Uh, and each each member of the old firm takes takes a turn. Um, Rangers, it's fair to say, for a long time, have not been fans of the SPFL and the SPFL exec. Um, 
while this isn't a major move, do you feel it opens up more sort of opportunity for Rangers to make a difference? Well, it's again, it's their feet at the table, isn't it? Um, maybe some fresh ideas as well. Maybe get put forward. Maybe they'll not be heard. They'll maybe not take any interest of it because they don't seem to take much interest in anything else we've had to say over the last couple of years. Um, but at least we have a say, we have a vote, and, and we can try and push or as a club, push for the league to to improve because that's what the league needs. The league needs to improve. The league needs to try and catch up with you know other leagues and within Europe, especially when it comes to structures for TV deals and stuff like that. The, the, the whole thing does need to get looked at and has needed looked at for a while. So hopefully, hopefully you can come across with a different plan or a different idea that's not maybe been put to the put to the other member clubs and see if we can try and change something. Something positive, John. One of the one of the issues that's always put forward around the SPFL board, or whenever Neil Doncaster is questioned about any, anything he does, is that he just works on behalf of the clubs. And the SPFL is all 42, 42 clubs within within the leagues that are that are contributing to that. That makes it incredibly difficult for change to happen. I think, especially. And football, which can tend to be quite archaic in their in their thinking and, and how they approach stuff, they don't tend to be fans of change. How how difficult will it be for James Bisgrove? I imagine he's going to be in, be in there, and he's he's not going to go all guns blazing, but he'll be start he'll be trying to lay the groundwork to to continue to drive and and, and make that demand for change. How do you how do you view that 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 appointment? And do you think it's um, do you think it's more important now than it has been in the past? The more type of people like James Bisgrove that we get coming into Scottish football um, at every club and then getting together at the table, people who are experienced in figuring out how to make products money and commercially viable and pushing it forward. Because it's been one of the biggest frustrations is, I know that I know we kind of thrived off it in the 90s, uh, everyone hates us, we don't care. I think now in the, the situation we're in Scottish football, it's so demanding that we get some money in somewhere. We get we can play about the TVDs all we want that it's under, but then you go, how do you sell it? How do you sell Rangers and Celtic playing against a team with 10 men behind the ball, home and away, no matter when it's on Sky, when realistically you're going to sell Hearts and Hibs away and Rangers Celtic playing each other? It's really hard, so you need to get all the right minds around the table. So as long as everyone is willing to fight and I think that's where it becomes a bit of a problem as everyone's looking at their own window is yeah. how do Aberdeen get the money they do, they think they deserve to make themselves viable although I do think Aberdeen are doing a great job with their academy and actually starting to sell people and making good money which would be a good start for other Scottish clubs to start doing and then the TV money when we start getting exciting youngsters into the league will follow but you need people working together and I think it needs to stop being this kind of petty old firm versus everyone else and people shoot down. Or if Rangers have a gripe, that becomes the number one thing we have to push forward to. Although to my surprise with the cinch thing, it actually turned out that we were in the right. And that's that's one of the kind of head in hand frustrations where you hide as a Rangers fan because when we were going through that, I thought it was really petty. And was like, how's this helping Scottish football? How's this helping anything move forward? And it does kind of annoy you when you realise we were actually right to be that frustrated. And you're like, well, could everyone know I just came together at, f at once and realise what is actually beneficial for the league and put aside the egos of we're not going to side with Rangers, we're not going to side with Celtic, we don't want to side with Aberdeen and just realise that if we don't get together, at least 
and the commercial side at board level, the league's never going to get better financially. It's always going to be Rangers and Celtic dominating through money that's generated from their fans or Europe. It's never going to be for the league being viable or sellable to commercial partners. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting discussion because looking at that, looking at since deal, almost as Rangers fans, we've become negative towards our own club, making challenges to others. We almost think our club is must be in the wrong somehow. We like we must have done something wrong um, because there are so many so many lawsuits or court cases kind of ongoing in the background. Um, but when you see that actually we have won it, and you look at the amount of abuse, I guess, is the only way to, to word it, that was directed to the club at that point, and that um, mainstream media journalists were, were all jumping on the bandwagon of Rangers are being really petty. I uh, I think I quote tweeted a Michael Stewart tweet from a year and a half ago or something like that during the week that was, um, I don't understand why Rangers can't just conform and jump on the bandwagon effectively, was was what he said, and um, and then Rangers are all of a sudden pro- proven right in this, this sense deal. It's, it's, incre- it's actually incredible that um, a, a body as big and as professional as the SPFL should be and someone who's paid as much as Neil Doncaster is and also Mur- Murdoch McLennan as well and they are it's incredible that, that those people can think they can just force something through because they want it to rather than just following the law and following the rules that actually that have been set out in their own organisation I do find that um, mind-blowing that they are still in a, they're still in a job hopefully um, hopefully it's untenable after this most recent this most recent um, case, but I, I somehow doubt that. Um, Jock, just just on the the centraling, I guess, and the, the differences that can be made. I'm a big fan of of James Bisgrove and what he can what he can bring to the table. I'm also a big fan of Alan Burrows, who's now the chief executive up at um, up at Aberdeen. I think what he did at Motherwell from being a community club and and also how he adapted a club like Murrow, who had a very traditional fan base um, and to be in a really forward-thinking club was really impressive. Um, so how important is it that we get more guys like Bisgrove, like like Burrows, to the table and, and to take our game forward? Yeah, I think that's what we need. I think that I'm going to go two-footed on your man here. He's been there for far too long and we're not seeing any benefit from it, I don't think. And there's been no real... Our game's not moved forward for a long time under his stewardship and the salaries collecting for that is scandalous and then the, the the breaking news there a couple of weeks ago about this two-year what is it two-year notice period that he has where he can collect two years worth of salary before he can be replaced and the fact that he wrote that in his own contract it was all voted by by the board <laughs> you know i mean we voted for this carry-on I mean, let's talk about marking your own homework. Like, so for me, I've I've wanted him out for years, and whenever the contract extension came in, I was like, "Here we go again." And then next thing, the the Sky deal got announced. We jumped early and we signed the Sky deal two years early or a year early before it was up. Yeah, I think I think it was two, maybe even two and a half. So yeah. So we don't even go to the table and, and even listen out for the offers. We just jumped right into Sky's hand. And we're not so stuck there. Is it 2028 we're stuck till now? Yeah. Something like that. So there's another five years of the status quo staying the same. So 
uh, for me, he has to go. But this younger generation of guys, like the guy at the Motherwell, you know, took interest in him when he first came to the board, quite a young fella, and I thought, right, okay, he's going to come to the fresh ideas, and he did, and that's why he's where he's at now. So the only can do is try and get these guys in. So when he does go in five years' time or whenever he does decide to go, we've got somebody younger, somebody fresher to try and take our, our game forward or, because it's, it's uh, we're stagnating again. Yeah, I do. I do um, often think about um, the was it a report Barry Hearn put together about how Scottish football could could improve itself and market itself, and I, I often think about that and go, how stupid were we not to not to at least take that forward as a on a consultancy basis, John? I can see you nodding your head in in agreement Maybe. there. It's literally the thing I was going to bring up. I always remember that quote of him saying, I've, I can sell at the Hydro with darts consistently and you guys kind of get a sponsor for your league. It, it was it was always baffling and I think what you've touched on with, with Motherwell, with Burroughs, what they did as a community club, they actually took an SPL side and made them a community club and actually got fans in the door. Hearts have got fan ownership and they're now at the point where they're rejecting Rangers and Celtic having a stand because they've got so many fans willing to buy season tickets. Aberdeen are doing multiple projects with their academies now working for them. Clubs are doing stuff on their own with hands tied behind them back from the board. They're all do, having to do their own thing because there's nobody in charge of Scottish football who's pushing it together as a collective and everyone is having to look out their own window. And it, that's the whole point in having somebody that's getting paid in the role that Doncaster is, is to push forward ideas. Well, English football... I understand the money that they were able to pay and the, the foreign players that came in and made the league amazing. But there was people pushing all that from the get-go. Because at the time when Sky took, when the SPL became the SPL in 98, Rangers and Celtic were getting massive viewing figures on Sky for the old firms. And then English Premier League just pulled away and pulled away and pulled away and pulled away and left us behind because we didn't have another idea. We bankrupt ourselves, try to promote it consistently through different channels all the time. There's just, it's just infuriating. There just seems to be really no no leadership. And that is exactly how the job interview should go. There should be someone with a plan as to what they need to do with Scottish football rather than all of us fan forums trying to figure out what, what we need to do. Is it the TV deal? How do you get somebody to do a better TV deal? Do we hire somebody from an actual commercial background in TV that's been good at negotiating these types of TV deals? Do we go to the Scandinavian? Do we go to the Danish Football League and find out how they managed to get the money they did per club? for theirs, what was their structure, who did they tend it out to? There's no rocket science, you can find this stuff out on, on Wikipedia yeah. if you have to, <laughs> and hire the people who have been experienced in doing it and bring them into Scottish football. Doesn't need to be somebody that is archaic, that a dinosaur that's been in the system and just is the next guy that Neil Doncaster chooses to take over from him. There's people out there, go get the talented people. They don't need to be Scottish, they don't need to know Scottish football. They need to know how to sell a product that is not working now. That's all they need to do as the manager. Yeah, absolutely. I can't can't disagree with a word of that. And I think that's a good point to draw this podcast to a close. Uh, Jock, thank you very much for joining us on this Monday night edition of the TII podcast. No, thanks for having me and I hope everybody enjoys the game tomorrow. And John, thank you very much as well. That that impassioned speech to finish us on was uh, was was very welcome. I get to go eat my dinner now. <laughs> Enjoy. Is it pickled onion crisps and a bottle of iron brew, or is it? It might be what I have to have because I think the power cut's still going on. So. <laughs>
we'll enjoy that. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. In terms of what we've got coming up this week, both Ross and myself will be at the Newcastle game tomorrow night at Ibrox. So keep an eye on our Twitter channel for all the, the latest updates, and we'll, we'll have a post-match podcast as well coming from there. Kyle will be back on Wednesday with the team and we'll be looking ahead to the Hamburg game at the weekend as well. Please remember to drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed the content, subscribe as well and turn on those notifications so you know every single time we go live and uh, all it's left to do is to thank you all for listening and until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.